0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Balkwell's Books. My name is Balkwell, and this is Balkwell's Books, and I'm here today on Balkwell's Books to talk to you about a book. The book today is Dersu Su the Trapper by Vladimir Klevdievich Arsenyev. Vladimir Arsenyev was a some quite prolific uh, Russian uh, ethnographer and geographer uh, in the early 20th century, and he wrote uh, many sort of scientific books. Uh, this one is less scientific and is instead a memoir uh, of his travels in northeastern Manchuria, between the years 1902 and 1910, sort of surveying the land uh, as an agent of the Russian government. This book is something of a classic uh, in Russia, uh, and in fact was made into a movie uh, during, I believe, the 1970s, uh, called Dersu Uzala, a Russian movie directed by the Japanese director Akira Kurosawa, uh, which is in fact a fantastic movie uh, quite a brilliant film and that's how I found out about this book is uh, on my third time watching it I noticed during the credits that it was in fact based on a memoir and I said wow I bet that's not available in English and then it turned out it was and as fact it's been translated into English three different times so the book that I read the version I read is one of those What makes Dersu the Trapper unique and interesting is, of course, the character of Dersu, Dersu Uzala, who is an indigenous guide that um, Arseniev meets on his travels and who sort of acts as Arseniev's mediator between him and this uh, new environment that he finds himself in. Uh, The boreal forest, also known as the taiga, of uh, northeastern Manchuria is quite an inhospitable place if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, Arsenyev knows what he's doing, but he doesn't know what he's doing quite as much as Dersu Uzala does. See, it's very cold. It's uh, very wet. There are many uh, extreme weathers that can occur um, while you're there. They're dangerous creatures lurking uh, in the shadows, etc., etc. So Arsenyev encounters this man, Dersu Uzala, and the two form an immediate bond of friendship. And their friendship is sort of the uh, driving force of the novel. Now, I'm going to call this book a novel, even though it purports to be a memoir. And in fact, on the cover of my edition, it says a true account by uh, V.K. Arseniev. A very tiny amount of research reveals that there are many discrepancies between uh, the account we find in Arseniev's diaries and journals and sort of official documents uh, of the time and this book, which was composed for public Uh, appreciation public enjoyment right most memoirs really uh, contain much untruth about them much sort of manipulation of events and timings and such because you know memoirs they're a way of telling the story of your life And when you tell a story about something and you want the story to mean something to people, you want it to uh, feel like it has a certain amount of coherence to it. You want it to have um, sort of narrative structure and thematic resonance. Uh, You have to change a lot because people's lives uh, as they are, the sort of strict data of someone's life does not have much uh, thematic content. Uh, or at least not many, not much comprehensible thematic content. And so it only makes sense that we must uh, change things. So I generally consider memoirs to be novels based on true experiences rather than nonfiction. And um, it allows me to understand these books much better, I feel. So with Dersu the Trapper specifically, uh, what we find out is Dersu Uzala himself Was not actually there uh, for all the events in this book that he participates in. He acted as Arsenyev's guide during one of the several expeditions that take place or that are uh, accounted for in this novel. But much of it, much of the the story between them uh, has been modified um, in ways that, you know, frankly, it makes it a better story. However, what this does mean when we consider this as a novel, uh, it sort of changes our relationship with Arseniev, or rather Arseniev's relationship with the book. Um, When you're presenting a so-called true account, when you're offering a sort of non-fiction account of something that has happened or of things that exist, there's the expectation or you're taking on the posture of a strict observer that you are telling us what you've seen, and your perspective, uh, as much as is possible, is meant to be left uh, sort of to the wayside. However, when you're writing a novel, this is quite a bit different, because now, rather than being a, a lens or a sort of camera looking at the world, you are now the creator of this world. You're the creator of this story, and Arsenyev is very much the creator of, of this story that he tells us and the the world that he depicts. So, what sort of world is this that he depicts? Um, well, like I mentioned before, it's a, uh, somewhat somewhat of an inhospitable place relative to many other places you can live in the world. And uh, Manchuria is at the frontier of a few different, a couple different empires, and is a location inhabited by many different uh, kinds of people. So, of course, Arsenyev is a Russian. He's coming there as a Russian uh, for the Russian government. Who he encounters there, obviously, there are the indigenous people. Uh, Der Suh himself is a Goldie. Back then, they were known as Goldie by the Russians, which uh, turns out to be a bit of a misnomer, and uh, nowadays they uh, are referred to as Nanai. So we have Dersu is the, the only representation of the Nanai in the book. If you look at the journals, uh, Dersu actually had a brother and uh, other members of his family. In the book, his, he's alone. His family is all dead from smallpox, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. Aside from Dersu, we also have the Udehe or Udege. Uh, Udige villages that uh, Arsenyev comes across. We have Solon people, and uh, on top of that, there are quite a few Korean villages. From what I can tell, the reason for this is that uh, during the late 19th century, uh, the northern part of the Korean peninsula was uh, suffered a series of natural disasters, It caused many people to move further north and have now settled in Manchuria, now being the time of the book, not right now. Um, Aside from this, we have, of course, Chinese people. Now, the Chinese are sort of the uh, outgoing uh, empire in the area, the sort of incumbent empire that is being pushed out by the Russians. And what we find in the sort of depiction of the Chinese people that we encounter in this book, for the most part, they are operating uh, within an imperial framework. They are landlords, um, and they are exploiting the indigenous people for their labor, putting them into bonds of debt, of unquantifiable debt that they, you know no one even keeps track of it because it's so much debt that it basically turns the indigenous people into indentured servants the chinese are there for fur animal hides stuff like this and also ginseng which uh, apparently manchurian ginseng is the best ginseng you can get if you're ever in the market for ginseng now arseniev is quite reasonably quite critical of the sort of Chinese practices here and the sort of atrocities and the oppression that is inflicted by the Chinese people uh, in the book. However, we must take a little bit of time to consider who Arseniev is working for and what his perspective is here. Obviously, in in a strictly sort of moral sense, we can easily, easily sympathize with what Arseniev is telling us about what is happening. However, we have to remember that often the most harsh, most vocal critics of empire, of imperial projects, uh, are people who want to set up their own empire uh, where the empire they are criticizing uh, is set up. And if you've read any accounts uh, of British travelers during the expansion of the British Empire, um, the way they describe Spanish rule, you will know that this is the case. Obviously, this doesn't downplay or sort of... This does not mean that the accounts are untrue, but simply that there is a sort of propagandistic reason for these to be presented in such a novel, because the Russians are performing these this exact same type of colonialism, these exact same practices, committing atrocities of their own all throughout Siberia and much of the land um, that Russia now, now controls, even in Manchuria. And of course, Arsenyev is presenting the Chinese oppression uh, as a justification for Russian involvement in the area. Whether he means to be doing this or not, this is, this is what he's doing. And he, he can pretend he's just a dispassionate scientist all he wants, but this is the function. Um, this is the sort of uh, external function of what he's doing. And we see uh, this sort of Russian perspective of Arsenyev operating in a sort of complex relationship with his own moral intentions and that's sort of much of the not explicit conflict of the book but that's the conflict that we might feel reading the book when we think about Dersu Uzala himself now I mentioned before Dersu Uzala is um a modified character, so basically a fictional character based on people that uh, Arsenev had met. And it's hard to ignore the fact, even if you love the book, like I do, and and, and think love the relationship and the friendship between Arsenyev and Dersu, consider it a beautiful thing, which I think it is, and believe Arsenyev to be well-intentioned and, and honest in his respect and admiration, for Dersu Uzala, his knowledge of the environment he lives in, obviously as a hunter, and especially um, working alone as he does, he needs to be incredibly knowledgeable about the animals of the forest, their tendencies, uh, be able to tell by tracking what they're doing, you know, whether they're healthy or unhealthy, what sort of animal he's... Uh, traveling after and also being knowledgeable about uh, weather patterns so you know you know when it's going to blizzard and you need to you know set yourself up to not die in a blizzard at the same time uh, it's hard to ignore the fact that Dersu Uzala does contain elements of the sort of noble savage trope uh, that is very common across sort of Frontier literature or exploration literature of the nineteenth and this is early twentieth century, um, and the sort of fundamentally European perspective that Arseniev brings to the the tragedy of Dersu Uzala's position in the world. Dersu is presented as a sort of last of his people, as a person whose way of life is disappearing and the reason his way of life is disappearing is because of russian encroachment in the area i mean smallpox killed his family and and much of the people he knew the in the village that he lived Um, and smallpox was brought by europeans On top of this, the sort of urbanization and industrialization of the area by the Russians, they've constructed towns, the city of Vladivostok, and they're constructing railroads through the forest, has meant that Dersu, Dersu's relationship to the Taiga, the Boreal Forest, uh, is no longer going to be possible in the near future. And Dared Sue, we see later in the novel when he uh, loses his eyesight and has to spend some time in a Russian village, is fundamentally incompatible with the Russian way of life, the urban Russian way of life, where one does not go out and collect firewood for themselves for oneself, or collect water for oneself, or or anything like this, but it's instead you know, has to pay for these sort of resources and has to follow certain laws uh, because of your, you know, living in close proximity to people and living under these sort of social norms that, that Europeans live within. Now Arseniev is, of course, sympathetic to this tragedy, but of course the tragedy is brought about by the colonial project of which he is an agent. And for the people back home reading this work who are feeling this sort of catharsis of tragedy, for the people who feel bad about Dersu Uzala, um, there is a large element of hypocrisy here because, of course, uh, you're having your cake and you're eating it too. Not only do you displace these, these people, not only do you get access to the resources and the land Uh, the resources of the land on which they lived, uh, you now get the catharsis of feeling bad about it, you know? So you win on all fronts by by converting uh, these experiences into this sort of tragic framework. It still, even if there is the attempt to be sympathetic, it still is all operating in this European framework. And if you're interested in this kind of thing, uh, Edward Said, the Palestinian uh, writer and literary critic, has many essays on, on such topics, obviously relating to the displacement of Palestinians. You know, it's, it, you can't ignore this aspect of the novel. I mean, you can if you want. And if you read reviews or read people talking about this book generally or the film, uh, people do ignore this and they, they have their fun that way but I think it adds an extra layer of complexity that actually makes the novel more interesting. The At a surface level, this is a novel about friendship. It's about intercultural friendship. It's about people relying on each other in a harsh environment. Arseniev has to rely on Der Su for his very survival. Der Su saves him over and over again because Dersu. Su... Um, Understands the environment he's in. He's sort of uh, he inhabits it, whereas Arsenyev is merely uh, traveling to it and traveling through it. At the same time, the book has that sort of beauty of going into the wilderness. I mean, people who love to hike, people who love to camp, you know, are gonna get a lot out of this book. It, it's you know, it's gonna make you want to hike. It's gonna make you want to camp. Because you have that sort of connection with, with nature going out into the forest and being at the whim of, of nature and also learning through Dersu's through knowledge uh, how this sort of ecosystem works and how everything is interconnected, how everything is related and the complexity of such an ecosystem and how we, as humans, can operate within it in a way that isn't totally destructive and insane. So we have all of that, all of these very sort of positive themes, and, and you know, it's a very enjoyable work, you know, very interesting, very thrilling. I mean, there's plenty of, of action in the book and, you know, li- surviving on a knife's edge, but at the same time, we have this aspect of Arsenyev's perspective sort of barging into this world and bringing with him or coming with all this sort of interesting historical context. This book presents us with an area of the world that is at the frontier of these two empires i mentioned the chinese and the russian and is is changing because of the changing fortunes of these empires at the time and it is a place where many people live doing lots of different things and living in different ways and it's quite fascinating to see uh such a world and the way that it operates the way the people there need to rely on each other to survive. Even Dersu, who is solitary in his profession as a hunter, uh, needs to rely on all these different people, you know, for to make his clothes and you know to buy rifles, to buy bullets, to you know do all this trading. You need the support of other people to live in such a place, and if you want the support of other people, uh, you need to support them in turn. So it's quite an interesting uh, sort of ecosystem going on here. So all of this combined makes Dare to Sue the Trapper just an, an incredibly fascinating book. And the movie Dare to Sue Uzala uh, is brilliant as well. The movie sort of compresses the narrative, as, as movies tend to do. I mean, that's what you have to do when you make a movie, because they're, they're short. It compresses the narrative emphasizes the the friendship aspect a lot more and adds elements related to that and sort of cuts out a lot of uh, other events however if you see the movie and if you really enjoy uh if you're really drawn to the environment i mean wonderful cinematography in the film drawn to this environment and drawn to these characters then, Dersu the Trapper, the book sort of offers a sort of slow burn version of that where you really get to live in their shoes uh, for a long amount of time. So, highly recommended book. Very interesting account of an area you might not really know about during a very interesting historical time. And you will learn a lot, not only about the environment, but about the people uh, who live there and the various uh, forces at work in their lives. So that is Dare to Sue the Trapper by Vladimir Klevdievich Arsenyev. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any thoughts or questions related to the book or the topics covered on this episode, or any episode of Balkwell's Books, uh, I strongly encourage you to write into the show. uh, Balkwellbooks at gmail.com is the email address. Balkwellbooks at gmail.com. Or leave a comment on YouTube or on Balkwell.online, which is my website uh, where I post generally nonfiction essays every two weeks You can also find my novel, Only in Dreams, available on Amazon. Many five-star reviews from happy readers of that book. The music for the show is by Max Miller, a.k.a. Fun Bill. Thank you so much for the music. Um, And thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Goodbye. Goodbye.